Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon and welcome back. Welcome back to Porsche Cooled and welcome back to Owner Stories. My name is Michael Bath. If you haven't been here before, uh, if you have been here before, welcome back. Uh, this is the Owner Stories series. As you may know, I uh, stopped. Um, well, you might not know. If you're only just listening to this episode, you wouldn't have any idea what's been going on. Uh, I stopped Porsche Cooled for a while. Porsche Cooled was two episodes a week. Um, it is now one episode a week for the time being. Um, it used to be Fridays and Tuesdays. Uh, always published uh, GMT time or London time, British summertime at the moment here. I'm in London. Friday's episode used to be me and Steve, my mate Steve in Sydney, who's got the 997 GT3, uh, and Tuesdays is always owner stories. If you want to hear some of those old episodes, uh, there's 176, or no, there's actually more now. What are we up to? This is 181. There's 181 episodes, including today's episode. So there's plenty of, uh, let's call it back catalog. There's plenty of back catalog to listen to if you, um, if you have some spare time. Um, so owner stories today, we're up to number 75. Uh, today I'm going to be joined very, very shortly. Uh, and I say very shortly because I am actually running late. It's a, ch- what is it? Thursday. It's a Thursday evening here in London, Thursday afternoon, six o'clock, actually almost six o'clock on, on, on a Thursday. What am I saying? Tom, Tom's going to be joining me. Tom's coming in from Vancouver in Canada. Uh, Tom's a, I think he's a first time Porsche owner. I'm pretty sure he's got a bit of a, there's a, there's a story behind his, uh, his Porsche passion. I'm sure there's a good story coming up there. He sent me a few images, so I kind of know what, uh, how it all started for him, but we'll get into that. Um, but Tom's going to join me very, very shortly. Uh, if you want to be on owner stories, like I said, I am, I am recording them for the time being. I'm not sure how many I'm going to do, how many more. I always say that, but I'll probably just keep going. But if you want to be on owner stories, um, I always say this, uh, just Give me, send me a DM uh, to Porsche Cooled on Instagram. It's probably the best place. You can send it to michael.bath as well, which is also on Instagram or P997.1. I have three Instagrams, believe it or not. But in general, Porsche Cooled is the best one. Uh, just send me a DM. Tell me, tell me your name first. That'd be great. Tell me what car you have, what Porsche you have, and uh, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll go about scheduling a time with you and uh, talking to you about your, um, your Porsche journey. All right. That's about it. Let me just get uh, Tom through Zoom and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back everyone. Welcome back to Porsche Cooled and welcome back to owner stories. Uh, as I said in the little pre-intro before I've got before Tom came online, this is number 75. Um, and let's just get straight into it. I'd like to welcome uh, Tom to the podcast. Tom's coming in from Vancouver in Canada. Tom, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate uh, taking the time out. Thanks for having me. So, um, What's the uh, what's the car scene like in uh, Vancouver? Is there a, is there a heavy Porsche scene in Vancouver? There are lots of Porsche uh, Porsche enthusiasts, Porsche clubs. Very much so. Yeah, there's uh, quite a few dealerships around, um, quite a few Porsche dealerships, but uh, also little um, smaller outfits that hold cars and coffees and stuff around here. So it's a pretty big scene. You know, I should remember, and I don't, and I should have done this before I came on. I have had someone else from Canada on the show. I think I've had a couple of people from Canada and. and I can't remember now. Um, I'm sorry to those people if they're listening. Let's get straight into it, though. Let's start off where I always like to start the podcast, and it's like, you know, those first memories. You know what I mean? The first memories of Porsche, the first memories of, of seeing a 911 or seeing a Porsche in your neighborhood or, or you know, a friend might have had one or your parents, you know, your father might have had one. How did it all start for you? When did you first start noticing this, this car called Porsche or, or noticing a 911? One of my earliest memories is um, my dad actually had a, uh, a plastic model of a, of a G-body Targa on his uh, dresser when I was a kid. I still remember it. I think he's probably still got it. 
and it was black plastic with gold Fuchs wheels and some gold accents. And it was probably just the cheapest little toy, but it was on his uh, dresser. And I remember just seeing that every time I was in their room and, uh, and I just always thought it was a super, super cool car. And of course I had, you know, majorette and hot wheels cars as well, little nine elevens and nine six twos and nine thirty fives and, and all that stuff floating around as well. So the model car, was that when you, so your dad was, what was your dad driving at the time? Uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, we just had the basic stuff like station wagons and stuff. He was really into cars when he was in his twenties, uh, you know, he had a 67 Corvette, uh, 427 when he was yeah 20 years old. Um, and then, uh, sold that to start a family and bought a pickup truck and a camper. And, and my brother was born in 81 and they started doing all that kind of stuff. So I just remember having station wagons, um, early, early on, and Porsches came later. <laughs> so what about, <clears throat> tell me the story about your dad though. Tell me the story about, you know, those memories of when you're growing up and your dad's, uh, your dad moving into Porsche. What was that all about? Um, when I was a kid, he had a, he had a 34 Ford street rod in pieces in the garage that just wasn't getting put back together. And my brother and I used to kind of climb on it, um, almost as a, as a playground. And, uh, I think he got sick of looking at it in pieces and it wasn't getting put back (laughs) together. So, uh, I remember going out as a family on weekends when he was starting to look for a Porsche and, uh, he was only looking at nine elevens. It wasn't going to be a nine fourteen or anything like that. Um, and uh, once he honed in on what he wanted, I, I remember making trips out to a few in the area. Um, a memorable one was uh, was an orange one that we almost brought home. It was an orange. I think it was a, just a standard Carrera, like a narrow body. But I remember being at the people's house um, and it was kind of a peachy orange color. I don't even know if it was a, a stock factory color, but uh, um, f- for whatever reason, that deal didn't happen. And then he found this silver one um, just outside of Vancouver, that I remember when we went to go pick it up and it was a 78 SC silver on black sunroof. Um, and, uh, just bone stock though. And I remember going out and, uh, you know, them doing the deal and, uh, it was about a 40 minute or 30 minute drive home back to our house. And I remember uh, my brother and I fighting over who got to ride with dad and who got to ride with mom in our station wagon driving home. And, uh, (laughs) we stopped halfway at the gas station so that my, you know, we could switch and, uh, and then ride home with my dad. So how uh, old were you then, Tom? How old were you when um, your dad picked that up? I was probably about seven or eight. So it would have been maybe 90, 91, give or take. So So that's quite an, that's a great memory as a kid though. So your dad just, your dad just decided he had to have one. He wanted a 911. Yeah. He always talked about it when I was a kid. We watched a lot of racing when I was a kid and he always, you know, I knew he liked 911s. He had calendars hanging up in the garage and posters and stuff like that. And even though he was a muscle car, hot rod guy, he, he was always into Porsches and 911s. It's interesting though, you know, I've had <clears throat> quite a lot of people who've been on owner stories have had that muscle car thing in their, in their car history. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like either as a kid or as an adult, as a young adult, you know, getting your first car and you're getting a muscle car, you're getting the Mustang or you're getting Camaro or whatever you're getting. Um, but then eventually go into Porsche. And I always find mm-hmm. it interesting because it seems, it seems so different. You know what I mean? Like polar a, a opposites. Muscle, yeah, yeah, polar opposites, isn't it? It's so <laughs> yeah. weird. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, Todd yeah. from Stone City Outlaw, who's got the 356A, who was on an early episode, he had like a, 
I can't even remember what he had now, Todd, sorry, but he had the, Todd had this, uh, you know, muscle car and then he bought, he sold it and bought a 356A that he's restoring. And it's like, so it's chalk and cheese, so to speak, you know, totally, so different, yeah. so different. Yeah. Um, so how long did your dad, obviously your dad didn't keep the, the 78C. No, uh, he you didn't. weren't driving at the, not till you got <laughs> no. to driving age, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think, uh, I can't quite remember how long he had it for. It must have been, I'm guessing, probably three or four years. Um, I think it was kind of once uh, we all kind of outgrew the car and couldn't go anywhere as a family of four anymore, then uh, it kind of had to go. But uh, I do remember quite a few trips in it and day trips and even weekends and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, driving me to baseball practice in the back seat and stuff like that. It's That's I still cool. remember the smell of that car even. It's uh, It's... I miss it. <laughs> yeah, the SC, the Super Carrera is a, I mean, it wasn't well loved for a long time there though, was it? It was sort of out of favor and now it's <clears throat> now it's definitely back in favor and the prices have gone insane as well for the, for the yeah. SCs. I mean, I, I remember when he, he bought it and uh, the impact bumper cars were, were still kind of, you know, not that well liked, I don't think. I mean, it, everyone wanted either the long hood or something brand new. And at the time that would have been, I guess, a nine, six, four. So the, the impact bumpers were kind of right in the middle and, uh, um, yeah, just, I mean, I think he drove it for a few years and basically sold it for what he paid. They kind of retained their value pretty well, even back in the nineties. So, that's good. That's and he good. did a few little things to it and he's really meticulous. So he always kept it really nice and even lowered it shortly after buying it. So it sat kind of nice and, so your dad was very hands-on. He liked working on the, your dad is very hands-on. He liked working on the cars. Uh, yeah. When he was younger, he had a lot of Volkswagens, like Beetles and Volkswagen vans and okay. stuff like that. And he always joked about how you could drop the engine out of a Beetle on a, you know, on an afternoon and do whatever <laughs> you needed to do and put it back in. But True. he never tackled anything too big on the 911. Um, but uh, yeah, just, just small little maintenance and stuff like that. So you've got that memory as a kid. You've got the SC as your dad had that car. You've got the memory of being in that car with your brother. And you showed me, you sent me that image of you and your brother next to the car, which is a really cool shot. And we'll get into that a bit later when you pick up your car. Okay. But what was your, what was the car journey along the way? Because there's a bit of a gap there. Um, and a lot mm-hmm. of us, you know, Porsche is out of reach. You know, it's out of reach for a long time due to financial reasons or other commitments or other priorities. What was the car? What were the cars along the way? Are there any cars along the way that were that were memorable cars that you kind of you know really enjoyed or wish you still had? Um, personally, yeah. I mean, obviously, when my dad had the SC, I wasn't uh, old enough to drive yet. So you're in school, you get doing that kind of thing. But uh, um, toyed with the idea of looking at 911s as my first car, but they were quite expensive still at the time and didn't make a lot of sense as a first car. So I. Uh, I ended up settling on a, a 91 Toyota MR2 Turbo okay. as my first car, which okay. my parents probably weren't really a fan <laughs> of. A mid-engine rear-wheel drive car with, uh, you know, summer tires on it that I couldn't afford to put winter tires on. And we do get a little bit of snow in Vancouver, so wasn't maybe the smartest choice. But that car was beautiful. It was pale yellow. <laughs> probably should have been a brighter yellow, but it was old paint. <laughs> Yeah. Um, black leather interior, five speed. It had the T tops, um, that didn't leak surprisingly. Um, the fellow that I bought it off of even still had the, uh, hard plastic felt inserts that went in above the T tops to almost make it look like a coupe, oh, really? uh, inside, which was awesome. Cause, uh, I looked at a couple and they didn't have that. So, 
But uh, yeah, I bought that car and I just loved it. I thought that was the greatest car ever when I owned it. It felt like a Ferrari, you know, when you're 18, 19 years old and you got this bright yellow two-seater sports car. They were, they were special though. I remember yeah. I had a friend who had one. I don't know what year it was, but he had one. And I thought, wow, that's, and they weren't cheap. You know what I mean? They weren't a cheap car. And, no, they, and, yeah, exactly. And they was they were special. And I was going to say what, when you said the color, I was going to go, I was going to say, is it red or yellow? Cause always MRTs, yeah. I always remember they're either red or yeah. they're yellow. I don't yeah. know if it came in any other colors, but they're the only colors I remember seeing. For in some MRT. reason, for some reason, there was a lot of white ones with faded burgundy interior. Oh, was here. I, yeah. And the top of the dash was always just uh, faded and blistering. It was painful. But uh, this one that I bought was, was excellent condition. And I remember the guy that I bought it off of, was selling it so that he could buy a new 350Z that were, was just about to come out um, oh, right. that he was really excited about. But yeah, I didn't keep the MR2 very long, only a couple of years. And then, you know, we, like I said, we get a lot of rain and a lot of snow and stuff. And uh, it's not very smart having a little rear-wheel drive sports car all the time. So I ended up getting into a, um, well, I got into a 92 Civic hatchback after that and kind of went a bit of a, down a bit of a JDM road with uh you know, lower, spoon lowering springs and stuff like that and racing seat and exhaust and just little things like that. And, so and what did you enjoy better, the MR2 or the, the Civic? You know, it's the Civic was nice because it, it handled like a go-kart. It was just this little tiny car and I had a racing seat in it and it handled really well. I had these Falcon um, Zenny tires. They were, they were not meant for any rain, but I drove with them day in, day out. So that was maybe another poor decision on my part but uh they stuck really well in the summer i love that car but the mr2 with the t-tops off on a summer day and and it just felt kind of sporty and it was so, neat. hang on so the civic was a more sensible car than the mr2 i don't know, I don't know uh, yeah, that, well, probably not right marginally marginally, marginally? Yeah, it had back seats at least but the okay. uh, the falcon tires that were borderline racing slicks were were not a good idea <laughs> so what handled better the civic handled better well, the, the Civic MR2. did, yeah. The, the Civic, Civic was was uh, was lowered quite nicely, and uh, I had uh, just little things like struck tower braces and stuff like that. That uh, yeah, it just made that car handle really well. But you know, you only have so much money when you're 19 or 20 years old, and you can't just keep dumping paychecks into a car. So that car eventually went as well. So what comes next? Anything else uh, good? Pickup truck. <laughs> pickup truck. So more sensible. Yeah. A little more sensible, yeah. That was, uh, um, yeah, that was a 2000 uh, GMC Sierra 1500, and it's, uh, yeah, I used that camping and fishing and stuff like that. And um, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she really liked driving that truck. And when I had that truck, she actually had a 2001 uh, Volkswagen Beetle Turbo five-speed that I used to drive more than I drove the truck. <laughs> right. So that was a good little car, and it, uh, yeah, we would swap quite often. Okay, so you've got into the sensible car. You had the you had the JDMs. You had the, the Japanese cars. You, you're into the sensible pickup truck. When does that? When do you start thinking back to those? You know, as a kid, you're seeing your dad's Porsche when he picked up his 911. He picked up his SC, and you start thinking, I want my kids to see, have that experience. I want them to have this Porsche experience, or I want to have the experience. When do you start thinking about it, and how long does it take you before you start searching for your first Porsche? I think it was always in the back of my mind. I always, uh, I always wanted to replicate that photo that I sent to you of my brother and I standing next to my dad's SC on a road trip. I just always thought, you know, as soon as I have kids and I, and we're 
able to, we have a house and all that settled. I'd like to get one and, uh, and kind of have a moment, you know, be able to relive that moment and drive my kids to, you know, baseball, soccer, whatever in the backseat and be able to do little weekend trips. And it was always in the back of my mind, but, um, you know, prices started creeping up and we're, my wife and I get married and buy our first home and then start having kids. And it's, uh, it, it kept getting pushed back and I'd always keep planting that seed in my wife's head that, you know, once we're <laughs> on our way, I do want to pull the trigger on a nine 11 of uh, some sort. So, um, and she was totally cool with it. She had no problem with it at all. That she just always kept saying, not until we have a house, not until we have a house. And, um, yeah, we, we moved we're, on. We're, from... good at, we're good at that, aren't we? We're good at that planting that seed in our wife's That's heads. right. Yeah. You have at to the get moment, the I'm, I'm planting, I hope my wife, my wife doesn't normally listen to this, but at the moment, I'm planting the seed in my wife's head about getting a second 9 11. I'm still planting oh. that seed. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, 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 you know, you have to do it. You have to time it right, don't you? Yep. You have to warm them up to it. You can't just go, uh, yeah, I'm shopping tomorrow. It's got to be, and obviously, you know, if, you know, financially, if we weren't able to, I wouldn't do it. I'm not yeah. going to put us in that position, but, uh, um, yeah, it's just, if it made sense. And I honestly thought at any time, if I got into one, it's, it's kind of a safe place to park a bit of money. They're not really going to drop in value too much, like buying a new car does. True. So. True. So after the pickup, I'm jumping forward though, but after the pickup, you go to sensible, you're always thinking about a Porsche. You're always thinking that you'd like to have one when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Are there any other, other cars there that, are semi-sports cars that are kind of taking the place of a 911 or you just sort of just go through the everyday cars that we all do and then eventually we come to the Yeah, just through the everyday family cars, you know, baby seats, stuff like that. It uh, All that got pushed aside um, just because we were starting a family and, uh, and had to do all that kind of stuff. And then uh, we got sidetracked for a few years building a house so <laughs> yeah, the car yeah. got pushed back which is totally understandable so that all comes first so yeah all the, pr- the priorities the priorities yeah definitely so then yeah. you okay so then you think okay i, I want to i want a 911 you wanted the 911 right it was it wasn't yeah. going to be something else it had to be 911 what's your what's your uh, search criteria tom what do you start thinking and start searching for do you um, do you know the generation you want then or are you just sort of playing around with different generations and thinking what whatever comes up that's in right price good quality then i'll go for that i was really going to be open to anything as long as it was um you know anything well i can't afford a long hood from the early 70s but like a g-series car all the way up into even a 991 um always had a soft spot for for 996s and 997s for whatever reason i think that's just because when i was getting well when i was getting into driving age and stuff like that that's when the 993s faded out and the 996s came out and uh, yeah, I just always thought, okay, that's a sensible version to get with decent sized back seats for the kids to be able to ride in. And, uh, and then it was also the cost of entry on a 996 and 997 at the time, um, was kind of where I wanted to fit budget wise. So did you, did you contemplate looking at SCs? Did you think about looking at SCs? Yeah, there's, um, well, even, or like later, like 3.2 Carreras, I kind of had my eye on a couple around here. And uh, there's a guy at a local um, kind of automobilia shop um, that I go to a fair bit. And he's got a silver on black 3.2 Carrera. Basically looks like my dad's car from when I was a kid, but a little bit, you know, 10 years newer. Um, And I tried planting the seed (laughs) with him saying, if you ever want to sell your car, just let me know, you know, and 
it was a Japanese import car and it was a really nice car, but he still got it to this day. And he just basically kept saying, I'm not selling that car. So I realized that um, finding an SC or even a 3.2 Carrera, they were starting to climb in value. And if you can find one, they're kind of scruffy. And I didn't want to buy something that was going to be a big project. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm a little hands-on, but not mechanically really like little cosmetic things. Yes. But I'm not, I don't want to dig into any motors on weekends and stuff like that. I wanted to just turn the key and drive. So that kind of ruled out, you know, this late seventies and eighties cars. Um, so then it kind of, and then nine, six, fours had already taken off obviously and nine, nine threes are, you know, even more so. Yeah, so crazy. pretty soon it got to nine, nine, six, nine, nine, seven and nine, nine, one. Okay. So, so you're searching from all the, the modern water cools. You start searching for nine, nine, sixes or nine, nine, sevens. What comes up? Do you do you find your car straight away, or does, does do other cars come up first that you attempt to buy? What what do you start yeah. finding when you start searching? Yeah, so I kind of once we were getting towards the finish line of building our house, and I kind of started checking the Facebook marketplace and uh, local dealerships um, and Craigslist and all that kind of thing. I started keeping an eye open, and there was a few that came up. Um, that, uh, you know, I proceeded to, you know, I went and looked at and test drove and had PPIs done and, uh, a few of them just, uh, just didn't work out. Um, that was over about a two year span to actually find a car to buy. So there was a, an O3 C4S seal gray over black interior, um, had some nice options, red seat belts and stuff like that. Uh, really, really nice car. Um, and it was actually at an Audi dealership in Vancouver. Someone had traded it in on something. Um, and so I had a PPI done at a local Porsche shop right. and it had pretty moderate to severe bore scoring. Um, oh, okay. but the car was beautiful, low kilometers. I want to say, uh, 60,000 kilometers or something like that. So right. it was relatively low kilometers, but, um, the dealership said to me, it's probably going to need an engine rebuild in the near future. And I'm thinking, oh man, that's, you know, whatever that would be 15, $20,000 or something. So yeah. um, I tried to let the Audi dealership know what we're up against. And I sent them the report and they just weren't having it. They just didn't agree that that would be needed and they weren't going to really negotiate the price. So we walked or I walked away from that one. Um, which, That's a you bit know distressing, I, isn't it? That's a bit yeah. distressing, though, because I've heard that story before. Someone else has told me a similar story where they looked at a car, um, someone on those stories, and I can't remember who it was. They looked at a car, they had it inspected, the same thing. You know what I mean? It had that yeah. issue, and yeah. the dealer didn't want to know anything about it, and the dealer still, I think, yeah. kept it up for sale and sold it to someone. So, someone, Yeah, and that's kind of what the sales guy said to me is um, they, they didn't really feel that that's what would, would be needed, and and I almost feel bad for someone that might have bought in that car, not knowing that they had to go that deep into it because the shop I dealt with, they do two, two levels of PPI. They do a base one and then they do like a bore score deeper. Okay. Um, and uh, you have to specify what you want them to do. And someone getting just a standard PPI done might think it's a great car and check out and buy it. And they might be fine, but a couple of years down the road, they might have a large engine rebuild bill. So I, uh, I wasn't comfortable with that. <laughs> so well, it's I lucky you paid. It's lucky you paid the extra money, Tom, and did the proper proper PPI. So at least you yeah. found that out. So that's the main thing. So you yeah, dodged a bullet yeah, exactly. there. You got away from that one. I was just yeah. want to go and say. You say that was a that was a four S as well, right? Yes. Everyone knows what you've got because it's in the title. Were you looking for a Carrera four or Carrera four S in particular um, because of where you live, or it wasn't a priority? 
Um, I always wanted a 4S. Um, I just love the body style. I love the wide body and the stance. And the the four-wheel drive thing was kind of a, um, a side note for me. I wasn't too concerned about that. Um, right. I just remember seeing the C4S when they came out you know, the rear three quarter view following them on the freeway, thinking that's a good looking car, just the stance and how wide they look like a, um, I don't know, an animal about to pounce on something yeah. from behind. So I just really, and then the light bar, um, the reflector between the taillights, I just love the look. So I kind of honed in on those. I had some buddies and my brother were all over me to get a 996 turbo. They go, you got to get a turbo, you know, they're, you know, from when I started looking to a turbo now they've doubled in value. So yeah. <laughs> I should have maybe gone that road, but I, I like a smooth body. I, I don't like all the side vents and not a lot of wings. Like I, I just like it clean looking. So I didn't really want to go turbo actually, even though they had the Metzger engine, which could be a little more headache free and bulletproof, but yeah, uh, you don't have the IMS issues, but exactly. I mean, the Carrera 4S though, I mean, I, I remember it as well. And I've, I've probably told this story before. So other people, listeners have probably heard me talk about this before, but I remember seeing it in a dealer uh, in Sydney and it was packed and the back of the car was to the glass and just oh, looking, yeah. like you said, at the back, and it was the S as well. It was the four, it was the four, the S, the light bar, the the stance, and and it was just such a beautiful car. When it when it came yeah. out, it was just such a beautiful car. It still is a yeah, beautiful car. Yeah, it's great looking. Yeah, yeah, it's got a great great angle to it. Great, just a great stance to it. Yeah, but that's how I honed in on that. It was uh, I I just um, I, I always liked the C4S, and I didn't want to go turbo. I didn't want any of the vents or wings or anything like that. I'm, I'm not really into that look, even though it might be maybe a stronger so, engine. And uh, <laughs> so you're not a GT guy. Oh, I am a GT guy, but I'm more of a touring guy. Like I definitely appreciate GT3s and GT3 RSs, um, but I would I would always go to standard GT3 over an RS. It's for me an RS. There's just too much going on. It's it kind of I mean, I totally appreciate them, but I, I would, I would, I would go touring over any anything for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you that one's that one didn't turn out. <clears throat> you keep looking. How long does it take before the before another one comes up that's that's reasonable? Um, probably a couple months. Um, there is a standard narrow body. Um, I want to say that one was an 03 or 04 base Carrera that I went and looked at um, at. Vizac Porsche in Vancouver. I went and looked at that and, um, it was, uh, it was tip Diptronic and I wasn't really a fan of going down that road, but it was a really clean car and it fit in the budget. Um, but I was standing there looking at it thinking, you know, it's not a manual. I, I don't really want to, <laughs> it's close, yeah. you know, it's close to what I want. It was silver on black and it had a sunroof and it was, you know, very low kilometers. And, um, the dealership had already done the PPI with all the bore scoring and uh, or the bore scope and everything. So um, hummed and hot about that one and then um, didn't do a deposit or anything. And oddly enough, that car sold and on a Porsche rally drive up to Lake country, about four hours outside of Vancouver, the guy's IMS went, oh, really? um, yeah, the engine seized or something on that drive. Right. And the dealership ended up um, covering it for him because he'd only had it for a month or something like that. So, um, so it's good that they did, they stepped up and, and, uh, and helped him out with that. But I kind of dodged that bullet as well. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Tom, is that the law in Canada? So it has to be, it is warranted when you buy a used car? 
are all used you know cars what? I'm warranted? not sure. I, I think the dealership was was uh, maybe trying to protect their name a little bit too, because they're a pretty pretty big, reputable dealership that's been around for a long time around here. So, right, uh, you know, maybe there was a bit of fear about that uh, story making the rounds. But um, yeah, especially selling it, especially selling it with the report as well, and everything's okay, and then yeah. you know something happens. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, that's good of them but, to do uh, that. But yeah, yeah. Like, you, so you dodged another one. You dodged another one. another one. So and now you, few so, <laughs> so now every car you get, every car you look at, you're obviously doing the full PPI, right? Because now yes. it's like obvious yeah. there's going to be an issue. It didn't yeah, turn you off. Yeah. It didn't turn you off the the you know the the 996s and not think like what your friends were saying, I've got to get a turbo so I don't have those <sighs> issues with yeah. the NASCAR. You know, and then you read online, like it, it did, it made me nervous, but you read these stats online and it was something only like 4% of the engines were sure. actually, you know, having those issues. So, and then the bore scoring concern um, seemed to be on very low mileage cars. So when I came across a 997 um, uh, S, just a Carrera S that again, at the same dealership, silver on black, I went, same thing, went down, it was six speed manual took it for a test drive, bone stock, really, really nice car. Um, and I put a deposit on that and then and, um, didn't quite have my finances in order and a little bit of monkeying around on my end. Um, and the car sold. I got my deposit back and it sold the next day. So I oh, really? that was my bad on that. But um, yeah, that, that would have been a nice car. It was just a, a standard 997 Carrera S, which was a manual. nice clean car. Yeah, manual. Yeah, really, really nice car. Um, but uh that one just didn't happen. So I kind of regrouped <laughs> and then I caught wind of a, a 997 uh, C2S that uh, a friend of a friend was selling that uh, he wasn't going to advertise. It was black on black had a Kenwood stereo with the Apple CarPlay installed, 100,000 kilometers. Um, really nice car. I went out and looked at that one and um, back and forth a little bit dealing with the guy. And then he got cold feet at the last minute and said, yeah, I'm going to keep the car. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, okay, so much luck. <laughs> so you're going through a few cars here. So you, you you're yeah. getting, but it's good though because you you're looking at a lot of cars. You're seeing the difference between them as well, aren't you? So you're mm -hmm. actually like, it's good that you're. It's almost like you know on on the job research in a way. So yeah, what happens exactly. then? So does then does your car come along then, or is there something else? Um, so that was probably this time last year. It was probably about April last year that the the black nine nine seven fell through. And then I'm getting a little discouraged thinking, oh, you know, it's, you, you think that a 996 or a 997 would be so easy to find, but uh, finding a good one um, was getting a little tricky and you got to act fast. So I just kind of left it for a while checking the personal or like the Facebook marketplace ads and stuff. And, uh, and then, yeah, you know, 11 o'clock at night, one night I'm uh, sitting on the couch scrolling through Facebook marketplace and I see uh, this um, O2 silver on black C2S or C4S, sorry manual and i start you know i scroll down and i start reading everything it's got ims bearings been done new michelin tires uh you know clutch was done when the ims bearing was done and everything it's had and and i i think i messaged the guy right then and there and it was at a dealership um but it was actually uh, on consignment uh through okay. a private sale i guess the seller didn't want to have to deal with people coming and meeting with them so he sent it to the dealership but uh so i sent a message i said i'll be down there tomorrow morning to go look at it and uh the guy said yeah it's still available come on down so I, I went down there and started looking at it and trying to hold back my smile and my giddiness because the car was just beautiful it was mint condition and uh you know a little uh 
road wear on the front hood and uh and stuff like that but uh everything else on the car was just awesome so so the dealer was a, a just a, a Porsche dealer, a Porsche specialist, or just a dealer that sold prestige um, cars, or yeah, just a kind of a luxury car dealership. They had a little bit of everything. The you know the front showroom had a, um, I think they had a nine nine two Turbo S with a Tech Art package and stuff okay. on it that was you know brand new. And then they had some uh, BMW M threes and just a little bit of everything in there. G wagons and then. This thing was sitting in the corner. So how do you how do you trust this dealer though? So you've got all they've said they've said all this work is done. Do you want to do second checks, or you just trust that they're? You look at all the paperwork. Is everything up to scratch? Is everything in order? Yeah. So I sat down. There was a folder full of paperwork. Cross referenced the VIN number with the VIN on the car, <laughs> um, and then most of the receipts and work had been done at uh, Wysak Porsche okay. in Vancouver, which is the dealership that I kept going to. Yeah. Um, so they, they were the ones that put the Michelin uh, Pilot Sport PS2s on it uh, a year and a half before. They did the uh, IM, the LN Engineering IMS retrofit. They okay. did the flywheel. They did the clutch. All the work was done at Wysak. So um, I said to the, the guy, the fellow at the dealership, I said, I'm really interested in the car. I want to go for a test drive. So we did that. And then I <laughs> booked it in for yet another PPI. And uh, um, yeah, and went on from there. So who did you choose to do the PPI? Though? Did you get it done at Wysak or you got it done? I went to Wysak. Yeah, I went to Wysak. So they knew the car. They knew they had the history yeah. of the car and everything. Yeah. So um, did they this... give you, sorry, Tom, did they tell you anything that you were surprised with? Was there anything that was hidden from the dealer? Um, no, they came back with uh, real, real minor bore scoring. Um, and I, you know, I was thinking, oh, geez, here's, here's another one, you know, with a hundred and, cause my car's got about 145,000 kilometers on it. So not low kilometers, but um, you know, why is that kind of said, ah, you know, they're all going to kind of have a bit of bore scoring. So they're not sure how much of a concern that's going to be. Right. Um, and then some of the other receipts were from another shop called Blitzkrieg Auto Works in Vancouver so I went to those guys as well, and I forget the name of the owner, but I talked to him for about an hour one day, and I um, I told him about the car. I said, this is the car I'm looking at, and he was familiar with the car. He knows the owner or something like that. And he basically talked me off the ledge and said, you know, they're all going to have bore scoring and stuff right. like that. So, um, you know, if you think you're going to find one that's just perfect, it's not going to happen. You just kind of kind of weigh the pros and cons and uh, – look at uh, maintenance records and stuff like that. So um, so I think the next day I made the deal on the car. Fantastic. So tell the listeners exactly what it is. So it's a O2. Tell them it, yeah. all the options that it came with. Any Was there anything added to the car from the previous owners that you, that you liked um, or didn't like? Yeah. Yeah. The guy before me actually did everything that I was going to do to it. So it's a, it's a 2002 um, C4S, um, Arctic silver, black interior, sunroof, um, standard seats, unfortunately, I wish it had the hard backs, but, uh, that's I'm trying to work on something there anyway, but, uh, um, but yeah, really nice interior standard seat belts doesn't have any, uh, deviated stitching or any extra options there. Um, it had the, uh, still had the tape player, the, the factory tape player with the four tape slot holders oh, below yeah. the yeah, tape cool. deck. Yeah. And the <laughs> six disc, uh, yeah. CD changer under the, under the front. Yeah. Um, it's got the Bose, um, sound system with the subwoofers and everything in it. Sounds so, like my 997. I've still got the disc oh, changer it? as well. Yeah. Yeah. I still yeah. have my computer there too, even though I don't even use the system at all yeah. anymore. But, uh, um, but yeah, I had the new tires on it, which was nice. I was, I was going to probably put new rubber on anything I bought anyway. Um, it's got H and R coilovers on it. 
Okay, um, nice. And uh, roof wheel spacers. So seven millimeters in the front, 12 millimeters in the back, which is something I was going to look at doing already. So right. um, yeah, between the tires, the coilovers and the wheel spacers, that was all checked. So I didn't have to worry about any of that. And oh, it fantastic. sits really nice. So. Yeah, the H&R are really good for the 996, aren't they? Everyone, I think most people that have a 996 get H&R, don't they? Yeah, they're kind of... Um, you know, they're, they're a good price point. Um, the car rides really nice. I mean, I'll, I'll drive down the road and as we all do, we kind of watch for potholes and stuff like that. And even some that sneak up on me, I kind of just cringe as I'm about to hit it. And it, it it's surprisingly uh, subtle. It just absorbs it. It's there's, Fantastic. They're a nice setup. So, so um, how was it the day you go into the dealer, you paid the money and you pick up the car? How was that feeling when you, when oh, you drive out of the dealership? Did you take your wife with you? Did you take your kids I with did. you? I did, yeah. Yeah, so my I didn't tell my – I have two boys. I have a 7-year-old and a 10-year-old, and I didn't tell them. I just told them that <laughs> mom and I had some uh, – we had some errands to run, so I had to drop them off at Nana and Papa's house. So we, we drove them over there, um, left them with my mom, and I'd already talked to my dad. I said, listen, I'm going to go get the car today. Can you drive me down there? And he said, yeah, sure. So – my wife and I, and my dad hop in their car and we drive down there and I was already, I just basically, it was really nice, really smooth, walked in, you know, paid the, paid them and uh, got insurance put on the car. And then, um, yeah, we were on our way and uh, talk about a pinch me moment. I mean, I know it's only a 996, but uh, unbelievable feeling. I had goosebumps driving away. It's just a uh, long, long dream of mine to own one. So unfortunately we were driving home at the end of August in rush hour traffic so it was oh, a okay. long a long crawl home getting used to that clutch and stuff like that but uh we pulled into my parents uh they live in a like a cul-de-sac and i pulled in front of the house and i went and knocked on their front door and i stepped out of the way and the boys could see it at the end of the driveway and they both said is that ours and i said yeah <laughs> and they both sprinted out to the car and hopped in the driver's seat and the passenger seat uh like a couple of orangutans and were, uh, they were just as giddy as i was so what about was, your dad uh, what was your dad saying because it must have been, I, I, a bit, must have been quite yeah. special for him as well. He actually, uh, he took a picture of the car just as we pulled out of the uh, the dealership lot and we went to the first light. He, he showed me later, he sent it to me later, but he took a picture of me, you know, owning the car for two minutes. And uh, and yeah, he just kept saying, you know, what a good looking car. Like that's, it looks so nice. It's, uh, yeah, I think he's pretty, pretty, pretty proud, pretty, thinks it's pretty cool that I, I got my own now so many years later, so... But it is a weird feeling, like you said, you know, when you pick it up, even in rush hour traffic, you know, you pick it up and it does hit you, doesn't it? You, it hits you because you like, you might have had friends. I mean, I had friends that own 911s and I've been in 911s, but when you're actually in your own one and you're driving it, it's it's, it's kind of scary yeah. and it's kind of, it's <laughs> yeah. not real. You don't think it's real, do you? Yeah. Until, and, and I remember driving back to my home, which is not that far away from where the dealer was and then going into our garage underground garage and it was like this is weird just parking it in the car spot your other car's totally. gone and this one's taking the spot and it's just yeah. like this is this is a weird feeling it's a great feeling well, but it's a weird feeling and also um yeah that drive home you know i think i heard spike ferrison say it one day you're you're kind of fragile you're driving home and you're thinking what's that sound you know is yeah, that supposed to be there are. and yes. what's that creek and okay is yeah. that you know you're you're uh did i make a huge mistake you know what's going on so yeah. But, uh, but no, it's even, sorry, Tom, even the first drive after that, like if you hit a, a pothole in the wrong way or you go over a speed bump wrong or something and like yeah. you think you've destroyed the car, which you haven't, you know what I mean? Totally. It's like they're yeah. a lot tougher than what we think, but it's, it's like you worry about every single thing. So, yeah. 
So you get the car, it's at a home. What, do you have to do anything to it? Is there anything, I mean, do you take it back to Visac and, and get some things done or is the services um, all up to date? What ha- Did anything so have to I, be done? Yeah, the dealership that I was buying the car from in Visac, they're like downtown Vancouver. So I, I live about 30, 40 minutes outside of downtown. So there was a shop closer to me called uh, Turn 3 Autosport that I heard amazing things about. Everyone said, you got to take your car there to get anything done. And I wanted to deal with a local shop anyway. So um, yeah, so I called them up and I, I just said, Listen, I just bought this car. A um, um, couple little things that I want to get looked at. Um, can, you know, can I book it in? You guys give it a once over and stuff. And um, uh, they said, yeah, no, no problem. Bring it on in. So I had actually, I put one of the flat six motorsport intake pipes on the car, just the black silicone pipe and then the little cap for the resonator uh, oh, okay. pipe. Yeah. I didn't want to get the um, fab speed carbon fiber intake or anything like that. So I just wanted something kind of um, made a little bit of intake noise, but, um, but looked relatively stock. So while I was doing that install, I could see on the top of my belt on the back of the motor, there was a split in my, in my belt. Right. Um, so I, I, when I called turn three Autosport, I said, listen, I was, you know, I just bought this car and uh, I want to get the belt done. And can you give the car a once over? So they said, yeah, no problem. So got the belt done. Um, and then they gave it a once over and made a little note. One of my front, uh, air conditioning condensers, uh, was weeping or in rough shape. Um, the guy at the shop said, you know, do you have AC? I said, yeah. He said, well, you won't for long. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, those things get peppered with, uh, you know, pebbles yeah, and stuff like that. Thing, so thing, yeah, yeah, I got to do the mesh behind the front grills to just kind of help that out. So that was an issue. And then the, uh, the all wheel drive system, some of the output shafts had, um, splits and, and, uh, some issues. So, right. um, I was going to have to get that addressed. So, so I had the belt done and then they made a little bit of a checklist of things I was going to have to get looked at. And then, uh, and then I knew I made note, I wanted to order the PCCM plus system for it. Fantastic. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, I didn't do anything during the fall on the car, just drove it. Um, actually bought a set of, uh, um, 997 Carrera wheels with Michelin Alpine, uh, uh, winter tires. Okay. Um, and put those on the car cause I planned on driving it all winter. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that all winter, I just drove it and, and just recently did a bunch of the repairs cause they weren't really, uh, you know, it wasn't, didn't have to be done right away. But. So how was the list though? Was it, was it a lot of money or was it Okay list that you um, have to do no, you bought the car you bought the bad. car last sorry you bought the car last august wasn't it you said yeah end of august yeah and so the list um, wasn't too bad no no it was mainly like i said the air conditioning condenser um and then the output shafts and then just some black plastic trim like my passenger side fender liner um is cracked which i've had the wheels off looking at it and it's it flaps a little bit i might have to address that but um, but no, it wasn't a bad list at all, actually. Oh, that's good. So. And the clutch was done, you said. The clutch was done with the IMS. That was yeah, all done. Yeah, what about at water the end pumps? Of 2020. And yeah, what about water pumps and things like that? Nothing showed up there because they're always a common failure in 996s, 997s. Um, nope, no water pumps. Um, I asked them to look at the air conditioning, uh, the hard lines that run down the door sills. Um, that YouTube page, the Friends Green Porsche, I watched the, all their 996 videos. I love those guys. How yeah. good is it? <laughs> Honestly, I, know, I was going to, yeah. yeah, if you have a 996 or a 997, it's the best channel, honestly. Oh, yeah. I, I watched and rewatched every one of their 996 videos. Everything they do to prep a car for sale, I, I watched that stuff. So I knew exactly what I was asking for. Yeah. I like how they're so thorough and they go through every... Going to every... and calm problems. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they seem like good guys. So and they just go through uh, everything. But no, don't I didn't. They? Yeah, yeah, no water pump issues on my car though or anything. So none of the stuff that I'd made a note of from the YouTube guys. So um, just little things. Yeah, it was kind fantastic. Of nice. So fantastic. So the car's in good order. Um, what about making it your own? Is there anything you 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 got the PCCM Plus? Have you has that been installed? Yeah, it's installed. So I, I, I ripped the Band-Aid off a couple, about a month, month and a half ago, and I just booked the car and I did everything <laughs> in one shot. Because so, that's a big, that's a big, so, arc, that's a big outlay, isn't it? That is. The installation yeah, side was, of it more uh, so than the unit, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I've had guys message me and say, hey, you know, I want to get that. What, you know, that's not a bad system, you know? And I said, yeah, but the price you see on Suncoast parts or even from the dealership, they're all about the same. I think they're about 1200 bucks us online or 1295, but uh, it's the long list of things that you need as well. Plus the installation. Um, yeah. So all the extra black trim pieces and all that kind of stuff. And exactly. the, uh, the SIM cards that they ding you for, for the GPS, like uh, my brother said to me, why'd you get the GPS? You have it on Apple CarPlay, just plug your phone in. I said, I just, I want everything that the system comes with. I want it all installed properly. So there's no, I don't want to have to tell a story down the road if I'm trying to sell the car. I just want everything to work. So, um, but yeah, so I had, uh, I had that installed and, uh, and I did all, I redid all the, uh, the output shafts on the drivetrain and everything. So I didn't, I going into spring and summer now, I just wanted to have the car. Kind so of now it's perfect. Now it's perfect, but yeah. It's interesting with the PCCM Plus. I didn't realize you needed all those extra parts either. That's why Friends yeah. Green Porsche was actually good. That that video they did on that, and he says, you know, you need this bit and you need this and you need yeah. the maps. The maps don't come with it and it adds all this cost. And they you. show you the Porsche part number two, which was really nice. So yeah. I actually missed out. Um, I, I didn't mention it to the shop that did the system at the time. They, they just ordered the system and installed it, and I didn't realize that uh, – the extra little cubby shelf that you install below the unit is extra. Yes. It's not standard. So um, that's my fault, but I went to go pick up the car and my four little tape holders, cassette tape holders are still there. I said, well, where's the cubby? And they go, that's, that's not. Um, oh, right. part of it. So that's another 60 or 70 bucks that I got to spend to get that little thing. So I got to get that addressed, but uh, yeah. yeah, I can't wait till they do that, uh, that system for the 997. I'm waiting, I'm hanging out for it so I can change. Oh, does the one it. for the 996 not, not no. speak to the car? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't do it yet. I mean, they say they're going to bring it out, but I don't know when. It's pretty slick. I, I had the USB port. Some guys do the cubby shelf below the system with the USB. So you can put your phone right there, but I didn't want to have to see any of that. So I had them, I had them run it into the uh, glove box. Um, and because my car is a left-hand drive, I guess because the glove box uh, goes to the right, when you're looking at the system, the cord is long enough. Whereas long the guys enough. on the, yeah, the friend, friends, green Porsche guys say you can't go, do it in the glove box. Cause I, I guess the wire has to wrap around the system and then yeah, go it's the too other short way. or something. Yeah. yeah. So, but I like it in the glove box. I get in the car, I plug my phone and I close my glove box and Apple CarPlay comes up and I'm off to the races. So, fantastic. But, fantastic. Uh, so what about the, um, <clears throat> what about the common sort of wear areas on a 996? How are the, how's the interior and everything when you purchased it? Because the seats sometimes get a bit worn on the, on the bolsters and stuff. Was the interior yeah, all just, okay? The interior is mint. I don't think anyone ever sat in the back seat. <laughs> so those are perfect. The, uh, the driver's seat. Yeah. The side bolster getting in and out. Um, just a little bit of wear and tear, a couple of creases, just where the people always sit and, and the leather rolls over in the same position every day. Um, but, uh, I don't find the seats too terribly comfortable actually. So, oh, really? um, yeah, they're, they're okay. They're, um, I, yeah, I just, I, I wish I had the sports seats, but, uh, 
Aren't the standard seats in the aren't the standard seats Tom in the in the four S? They're still a sports seat though, aren't they? They're not like the standard nine nine six seat, are they? I thought um, they were slightly you different. Know what? I'd to have standard. to compare them. Yeah, I they thought they were slightly um, more bolstered yeah. than the standard nine nine six. They might be. They have some pretty serious bolsters on them for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm maybe in a year or so, I don't know, down the road, I'd like to get into some Recaro Sportster CDSs in leather. <laughs> That's nice. kind of the next goal at the, uh, um, in my mind. So, but there's some, there's some issues with that. Like I have power heated seats. So do I want to spring for the power heated Recaros or just go manual and lose the heat as well? Mm, um, yeah. But then apparently the Recaros are a little bit wider at the base. I think they're three or four inches wider. So there's a shop doing them. It's going to have to know that and maybe tweak some things. So that's a big investment though. But uh, there, yeah, that's, that's maybe not in the cards, but we'll see. <laughs> so you pick up the car, you pick up the car, you said it was in traffic. When was the first time, when was that day you went out and you took it for a drive? And you realize what you actually had and you, and you felt that, that rear engine magic that 911s have? Uh, it was probably later that evening. I think I went out, um, <laughs> took the kids and my wife out for ice cream. <laughs> um, you know, you get that. You're just looking for any excuse to drive, you know, or do we need milk? Okay, I'll go, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we all hopped in the car and we live in a um, little bit of a country area. So there's some really nice driving roads. On weekends, we're actually a little bit of a, kind of i guess you could say at destinations so we have a lot of uh cars and stuff going by because of the nice driving roads so i'm spoiled by living in this area um so yeah took the family out and started flying through some curves and and uh and yeah you can definitely feel the weight back there very interesting i've driven a lot a fair bit of 911s but never pushed them at all it's just a test drive but now pushing my own car a little bit it's uh it's pretty interesting definitely unique absolutely and how's the sound <clears throat> Did we? I don't know if we touched on that. Did, does it have the sports exhaust, or is it just no? Sorry, exhaust? I didn't mention that. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it just has the standard oval tips and the and the standard exhaust, which I think sounds really good. I've had friends uh, following me or or listen to me pull away from a restaurant and later on say, "Oh, yeah, your car sounds sounds really good." But I've I've never heard it from the outside. But uh, um, yeah, I just have the intake um, pipe done and then the the standard exhaust. But to me, it sounds really nice, especially up four or five. You know, even six thousand RPM, it really starts to scream. Is, so. is the intake modification an expensive modification? The one from Flat Six? No, you said you got it from Flat Six Motorsports, right? Yeah, Flat Six Motorsports. I think it was ninety bucks Canadian. <laughs> oh, really? It's, yeah, not bad at all. And it's it it just replaces the standard intake um, to the airbox um, has a standard intake pipe and then a little side resonator. You get an aluminum cap that caps that one side pipe and then it you just go to a silicone uh, a black silicone pipe um so it's about a five ten minute install you have to pull your airbox off so i did the filter and the, and the intake pipe on it so so you put but, it on yourself uh, or you got the dealer yeah. to you put it on yourself no, so i just threw easy? it on myself yeah well yeah really easy yeah it's it's um yeah like i said maybe five ten minutes all in but uh and it was kind of fun so and i found the belt was ripped which was good <laughs> yeah that was a good part of it so you yeah. cut so it's already now it's ready for summer there's yeah. nothing what about that what about after is there anything else that's it there's nothing else you want to do you're not going to get another set of wheels you're not going to get the fuchs or you're going to get the um, you know those sort of things you know that we all look at side stripes yeah, you know it's um 
wheels wise, I love just the stock turbo twist. Um, I'm kicking myself for not grabbing a set of uh, turbo twists that were for sale on Facebook uh, marketplace because right. yep. they're the lighter hollow version, but you keep the same look. So, cause it always blows my mind when I take the wheels off my car, how much those things weigh there. It's unbelievable how much, I don't know what they weigh, but it's a lot. Um, but I'd like to get my wheels refinished actually, as, as opposed to buying a different set of BBS wheels or something like that. I'd like to just get them redone. There's a, some light uh, curbing and stuff. And you can see where wheel weights over the years have been moved when the balancing was redone. So I want to get them all cleaned up really nice. Um, but other than that, no, I might sell actually my set of 997 winter wheels I was using because uh, um, I, I really didn't drive the car that much in the winter. I thought I would in the snow, but we, we ended up getting about eight or nine inches of snow and I wasn't taking the car out into that. So I just waited till the weather was nicer to drive it again. So might be, might, uh, might move on from those. Fantastic. All right. So what about those, you're talking about those roads, you're talking about the roads in your area. Cause I want to talk about watches in the end. I want to talk about your watch passion as well. I want to talk about a couple of watches that you, you were mentioning before. Okay. But what about the drives? What about, I always like to, to know about, we always like to talk about that, that favorite drive. If someone's coming to, to Vancouver, <clears throat> someone's coming to your region, where would you say to take your 911? Where would you say to take your sports car or your 911 out for a, for a good spin? One of the real popular ones is uh, the Sea to Sky Highway. So basically North Vancouver to Whistler, that's a, that's a really good run. That's why I put the snow tires on in the winter. Um, my wife and I were going away for the weekend up to Whistler and uh, after October 1st, um, the police will check if you have snow tires <laughs> going oh, up right. that road. Yeah. So they'll pull you over and, and if you don't have snow tires on, they'll turn you around or oh, give you a big okay. fine. So I didn't want to get turned around and obviously I didn't want to crash my car either cause it's cold. So, um, but I didn't want to have, uh, yeah, I didn't want to ruin my, our weekend away by, by not having the correct tires. So, um, so I put those on, um, but really great drives. See the sky highway is unbelievable. You got rock, rock face and, waterfalls and arbutus trees on one side and the ocean on the other and on a sunny day it's it's hard to beat that road for sure but uh, it can be a little treacherous weather can change from the bottom to the top and you get a little bit of everything up there but uh but uh i tend to just stick to the local farming roads around here we got a few good twisty routes and uh i kind of live in the middle so i've got a good little 25 minute route i get home from work and the sun's out i'll kind of grab my keys and say who wants to go for a drive and <laughs> Sometimes the boys will get off the video games and come with me, and sometimes they won't. <laughs> sometimes so you're in a good spot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's one of those so. destination drives that other people travel miles to get to, and your kilometers to get to, and you're actually in the middle of it. It is, yeah, yeah, exactly. When we were building our house, I remember being at the site just doing little things, and uh, you know, a Saturday morning, um, I guess the local Porsche club would we're on their route, and they would go by, and there'd be about thirty of them in a row, and I'd stop and just stare. <laughs> think you know one day i'll be able to join in with those guys so <laughs> how's but, the um uh, so have you joined the porsche clubs have you done those events or not have you done any? um i've gone to a couple of the little cars and coffee events i haven't joined the local uh porsche club of america chapter um i would like to because uh i was on their website and, and they organize nice drives and you know and they kind of i guess they get deals on uh on hotels and stuff like that so i'd yeah. like to get in on that and they kind of pre-plan the event. You just pay and go along. So it kind of takes a little bit of the thinking and, and planning the route, which I'd like to get in on. So, But, you know, that's what's good about Porsche is, is the community, right? But I think I just want to go back to that photo. I still think what you sent me, when you sent that to me and you sent me that photo of your dad, you know, 
you and your brother with your dad's 78 SC and then the picture mm-hmm. of your two boys with the, with the 911. I think that's what, you know, you forget. People say it's just a car, but it's not just a car. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. You know, yeah, it's not it's, just a car and your, your boys are going to remember that as did you and your brother remembered it. You know what I mean? And it's... I hope so, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, and honestly, like I told all the stories about trying to buy cars, the seal gray one and the black 997. And, and even though those were great cars, at the end of the day... Um, I wanted a silver on black car because yeah, that's what dad's cars. Well, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it just had to be silver on black. And I know they always, you know, guys always joke, you know, your first Porsche is silver, but uh, <laughs> which it is, I guess. But I, I was looking for one for, for um, you know, my own, my own reasons, not because that's what was out there. It was because it, it meant something to me. So that picture I took of my kids, we were, we were coming back from my first cars and coffee, which was, I think the, uh, the week after I bought the car, we're driving back and uh, I saw a little gravel pull out and I, uh, I said, boys, we're going to, I want to take a photo of you. So we hopped out and um, actually it took, I just took one picture, snap, got in the car and I couldn't, <laughs> it, it, but it's, it's great because it's framed in the same way. It's perfect it is, framing. It's, yeah, it's you got perfect. it right. The first shot. Yeah. yeah. So no, I remember like standing there taking the photo and it was like, it was, it gave me goosebumps actually. Cause it was just meant a lot to be able to, you know, share a car with them and take them for drives. And so I yeah, love it. And it's silver. I, I, and you it's know, silver. <laughs> I know we always talk about all these crazy Porsche colors, but you know, I still, I still think silver is, is just Porsche and silver just timeless. go together, you know, timeless. Oh yeah. And I yeah. think even if I was specking a new one, I'd probably get GT silver. I'd probably just be, I, people say boring, but I'd just go GT silver. I think. I, um, I think so too. Yeah. It just fits the line so well. It's yeah, it just does. meant to be. Especially so. when you see the the new GT3 Touring or even the 992 when you see the, just the base, the Carrera S in silver, yeah. it just looks fantastic. It just, yeah. it's, it like they, it's like that's the color they base it on and it always looks good in silver. It always has to look good in silver, I think. Yeah, they start there and then they move on almost, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what about, what about the perfect garage? And this is something new to owner stories, and I haven't always asked people this, but I'm starting to ask it because I've, you know, I stopped owner stories for a couple of months and I've started it up again. Um, and what about having the perfect Porsche garage? No, no, uh, money's not an issue. What would be your perfect Porsche garage, Tom? Ooh. Two cars or three cars? Um, I think you got to start with, uh, well, Carrera GT would definitely be up there. That's, uh, you know, I know they've skyrocketed in value lately, but that I, I've, I like those since day one when they were, you know, they even bought them down in Canada and the, you know, or in North America, the $400,000 range, which is, or even under it blew my mind, but, uh, definitely a Carrera GT, um, see a few around here and I'm always jealous. There's a father and son that have matching. Uh, I think there's a red one and a silver one around. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I was able to get under the silver one when I was at the local dealership one day, wow. and uh, and that's when they told me that the red one that's seen around that's the either the father or the sons. I forget who has what, but um, definitely Courage GT. And then I'm a big fan of the 911 R. I think uh, yeah. you know if I won the big one tomorrow, I'd probably uh, reach out to Steve Serio and have him track me down a, a low yep. mileage 911R in the launch color with the red stripes. That's uh, that's quite the car. Yeah, I don't talk about it much, but 911R to me is is the one. I still oh, I yeah. think that's the one. And I know they drop, they drops. I mean, in Australia alone, they drop so much, you know. And I've said this story before, how they were selling. When I bought my car in 2017, they were selling for the dealer that I bought it from had one for a million Aussie for sale. Wow. And then, yeah. which he had a couple come through and they were all over a million. And then recently, I think they dropped down to like 
high fives, early 600s, but then, you know, there was three or four for sale and then they just all dried up. And if you bought them then, wow. I think you've got the bargain of the century because I think yeah, it happened that's in the, bottomed out. Yeah, and I think in the US it happened as well. But that ter- that story that I lis- listened to, I've been catching up on old podcast episodes. Uh, I think it was on Spike's Car Radio where Jerry Seinfeld's talking about his career at GT, the one that just sold mm-hmm. on Bring a Trailer that they published. Yeah, his about. other, his, his East Coast career yeah, at GT. Yeah, the other one, right? Did you hear that story? <laughs> yeah, and he's, nice. what did he yeah. sell it for? 300, he yeah. said he sold it for 300 odd thousand or high 200 thousands and it just sold for 1.8 million. You know, so I can't imagine. Yeah, like, I know. There, it's, it still uh, has to hurt. No matter how much money you have, it still yeah, has to hurt. Yeah, billionaire aside, it still has to hurt when you leave 1.7 on the table. But uh, Absolutely. yeah, it's um, yeah, definitely a 911R. I think um, I, I think the 991.2 Touring manual market killed that. Uh, yes. Killed the, the the speculators, which is great. I'm glad Porsche did that. But I think the R's have settled and. Uh, I think the one to get a few years ago was when uh, I remember on Spike's Car Radio the Jan Coombe collection. He had yeah. one that was getting auctioned, um, basically delivery miles in the in the launch spec, and it went for I don't know two eighty or three hundred. I mean, what a whoever bought that car um, is sitting pretty. Yeah, the nine eleven. It's weird with the. You know, I mean, I love I like the GT three Touring, the nine hundred one point two GT three Touring. It's a great car, but you know. Listening to um, Cam Ingram from the Ingram Collection right. talk about it, you know, when he's got both, he's got the touring and his family obviously have R's or one R or two R's. That's right, yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, asking him, someone asked him about, is there any difference? And he said, yeah, of course there is. You know, the 911R is still a better car. It has yeah. to be a better car. It's not yeah. the same, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, people like to say things are almost the same, but they're not. The 911R is just, that's what Porsche does best, that little fine yeah tuning that nuances yeah. that they do just a little know, bit of difference in calibration a little bit of difference yeah yep. a little bit of difference yeah um, that's the one all, that's what we love about it yeah tom what about anything else we're almost at the end i want to talk about watches but is there anything else yeah. you want to share with the listeners about the about your porsche journey before we go i mean a lot of people that listen to the podcast and i know you said to me you're quite new and listening to the podcast a lot of people there's quite a lot of people listening that don't have a 911. They're searching mm-hmm. for it. They're looking for the information to buy one, you know, and 996s and 997s are obviously on everyone's lips and things that people are looking for. Prices are going up, though. It's getting harder and harder. Um, but what do you think about as an ownership ownership thing for your first Porsche? you think the 996 was the right one? I think so. I think, um, you know, size-wise, guys think that it's um, – you know, it's so much bigger than a 964 and, and 993 when you have them side by side. But then I get in and, you know, I have tall kids. My wife's tall and, and I'm reasonably tall. So, you know, we're a little scrunched up in there. So I think family-wise, if you want to have anyone in the back seat, you know, I think the 996 is the starting point and then you got to go up from there. Um, my my 10-year-old's five foot two and he hates it in the back already. So <laughs> he... Uh, <laughs> He kind of moans and groans if we're going out as a family and he says, are we taking the car? I said, yeah. He's like, oh. so if it's just the three of us, he sits in front with me. But, um, but uh, no, I think that's um, uh, 996 is a good starting point. It's uh, it's no complaints usability wise. So, you know, I, I didn't want to have anything that uh, the AC didn't work and, you know, I, I didn't want to have little issues with it so that's why i went kind of with a modern classic um i think it's it's a good livable daily car i don't daily it but i i drive it four or five times a week if i can so fantastic that's a good starting point you've done well that's for sure it's a beautiful car <laughs> it really is the career for us is a beautiful car and, and in the right color and in the right color 
the scary thing is the next uh, the next jump after that. I, I, I <laughs> unless I can get into something like Steve's GT3, there's there's a big gap for what I like, so I can't see moving on from C4S. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I missed the I missed the boat on the GT3. The prices I've heard you talk ins- about it. The yeah. prices <laughs> have gone insane. I, someone told me that yeah. the prices in the US have gone crazy as well. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they, well, they have in like Vancouver and stuff. They're um, to get like a 997 GT3. They're you know, I might be off a little bit, but 150 to 200,000 Canadian to get into something like that. Um, it's yeah. just crazy. You know, 997.1. So, I, yeah. I think Canadian yeah. dollar and Australian dollar is similar or not? Pretty similar. Yeah. 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 Very similar. But I think um, 997.1, you know, you're looking at 300. Yeah. So you're telling me I should buy one and, and export it to the Australia? Well, yeah, <laughs> but then you got to pay all the duties that Australia That's charges. True. This is a problem. Yeah. But yeah, 300k, which is which is insane because even if you go through the old podcast episodes, you know, when I was first talking about it, and Steve's another one of Steve's friends bought one, and you know, it was still under. You know, this is when they were being advertised under 200, and that's not even that long ago. And now it's just wow. gone gone crazy. Point twos. I saw a point two advertised for 370 for a point two. Now, I know Crazy. what I would buy. I would buy a 991.2. You know what I mean? I wouldn't yeah, buy a yeah. 997.2. So. Same. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the 997.2 taillights, actually. I know it's yeah. a great car and everything, but just on sheer looks-wise, you know, a dream car would be a 997 um, GT3 RS. Um, yeah, that's a beautiful car. In orange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like the gray yeah. with the red. Gray with the red wheels, I'm a big fan of, of that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On the dot two. Those, that looks pretty good. The dot two. Even, on the dot two, yeah. yeah. That's not a yeah. dot one, it's dot two. And in the dot uh, 996.1 GT3 RS, that white and blue that they did, there was one for sale oh, yeah. in Sydney a while back. That was That's the color, I think, the white and blue. Very special. <laughs> so what about watches? Nice. When, you're, when you're in your 911, what are you wearing? Um, my day-to-day is, uh, is a uh, Black Bay GMT Tudor that I got a couple years ago. Um, that was one we kind of chatted before we hopped on, but that was one of the waiting list uh, watches. I kind of had to go into a local dealer and put my name on it. And uh, and they said it might be two months, it might be six months. And I said, I don't yeah. care. Just call me when it's in. And uh, yeah, it was about four or five months down the road. And uh, so I got that. So that's my day-to-day. Um and then I've got some other TSOs and stuff like that. But okay. uh, another one, actually, to bring my dad back into the story, he gave me, uh, when I was in high school, he gave me a Seiko 6139, the the Pogue, the, with the gold face. I don't know if you've seen Ooh. that watch before. Sounds but, familiar. Uh, after it was search. famous for uh, Colonel Pogue wearing it to space back in oh, the 70s. Okay. So uh, my dad bought that watch new, and uh, it stopped working after a after a weekend trip to the lake in the seventies and it got shoved in a drawer. So he gave that to me when I was 17, 18. And so I've got, I got that up and running again recently. And, uh, and that's my kind of my vintage side of things. But I think uh, it was a good watches, but you know, the Tudor GMT and you're right about the wait list, you know, there was, you couldn't get, even in the UK here, I was on, I think I was, and I did get one, like I said to you before, and I, I was going to keep it for myself, but I bought it and Steve took it. Um, and I think the wait list at the time was, they said to me, was like six six to eight months. Yeah, six to it's eight crazy. Months. It's um, crazy. And even when I, but I think, what well, I'm getting off track here. I think that that, that Tudor GMT is a really, and I get a lot of people asking me, what, what, what should I get into when I first, you know, I want to get a good watch, what should I buy? You know, and it depends on how much you want to spend. 
But like the Tudor GMT, <laughs> the Tudor GMT is a great watch. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. The, the, the Black Bays are great watches, the Tudor Black Bays. And then, you know, the Speedmasters are great watches. If you get a Speedmaster Professional, just get a... Yeah. It doesn't even have to be the new one, which are probably... The new ones are probably cheaper than the vintage ones, but that's I've, true. Got a, yeah. I've got a really old one. But that's a that was my first real luxury watch before I got into Panerai. Um, oh, nice. But I think Panerai as well. I mean, and I was talking to someone uh, the other day who's going to be on Owner's Stories, and he was talking about how he wanted to get a watch and he liked the Panerai. And I think Panerai is a great one to get. You know, if you get a manual Panerai... And you don't get the autom- the automatics. I think can be a little bit troublesome and cost you money with servicing. They they the earlier ones are not as reliable as the manuals. So if you get a manual, oh, okay. you're actually you're actually quite safe. Um, mm. But I think Tudor in general, Tudor's really reliable. It's got the Rolex history. Um, exactly and for the money, they're yeah. a great watch, and I love mine. Like I showed you earlier, I've got my bronze on today, my Black Bay bronze. Yeah, and and that's a great watch. I mean, it's you know it's completely patinaed and it's you know whatever, but it's it's different to everything else, and I love it. It's a great watch. Yeah, that that first uh, the first time you bang it on a door jam or something, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was, you don't want to even look down at your wrist, and then you realize it's okay. But it, uh, I've thought about swapping out the band to a leather strap for uh, for summertime, but uh, I don't really want to mark up the case and stuff like that by prying, <laughs> prying off, you know, doing it myself and prying off the uh the oyster bracelet did you get the nato strap with it? did you get the no i bought it on the oyster strap the um it didn't make much sense they uh to to buy it on the nato strap and then to buy the oyster bracelet separately they wanted something like nine hundred dollars to get the oyster strap after when when the difference from getting it new to getting the nato strap wasn't nine hundred dollars so i don't understand why anyone wouldn't get it on the oyster yeah, to begin with yeah. and save the money and buy the nylon NATO strap later. But uh, when I bought when I bought my bronze, um, it comes on the new buck gray sort of strap. Which oh, has that's got really, right. Really soft. Yep. But I actually asked them for the for the Tudor strap as well, so they threw that in. So they're very nice to me here in um, oh, London, nice. across the way where I bought the watch. But I haven't. I never put it on. And I'm like you. I didn't. Really, I don't really have the the right tools for it. That's right. I think right. you actually yeah. actually need the pin tool. I have actually got the pin tool. But I know people take their their straps off, their bracelets off Rolex. And you've got to have these pliers, mm-hmm. um, these proper watchmaking pliers, which are not cheap. There, I think they're a couple of hundred dollars. But yeah, I don't know. I always yeah. worry about scratching it. You know, knowing me, I'll probably scratch it. But <laughs> I, I don't know if it matters that much. I, no, I don't think. Yeah. I always say you shouldn't be too precious with your watches. You know, I remember when I first bought my my Panerai, my first Panerai, and I just used to wear it to work, and I used to wear it, you know, and it used to get bashed around. And I look at it today, and there's a few scratches on the titanium, but really. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. And it's good to see these watches worn. And I always talk about Art that dub, image. Yeah. yeah, that image of Ed Sheeran, the singer, who's got the mm-hmm. Patek. I think it's a Patek. And it's just bashed, completely it looks, scratched. Yeah, it looks like it went through a cement mixer. <laughs> but it's got a life. Have you seen that one? That picture yeah. was on Houdinki. And it's got, but it's got life to it. You know what I mean? I'm sure John Mayer's I don't think watches, I've seen it, no. <laughs> and John Mayer as well, who's got all those watches. I mean, these people have got a lot of money, but you yeah. know, but it's got they that. use them. They use them. That's what you should yeah. do. Like your Porsches, yeah. you should use them. That's right. I know they're not doing me any good sitting in uh, in a drawer. I wear mine in the lake. I wear it in the pool. I, I, I oh really? You, you know, swim I, with it? Yeah, I just yeah. I, I it's my everyday watch. I remember when I first got it, I was so excited to get it. I, I was getting up to watch Formula One at some ungodly hour one morning, and yeah. my wife my wife heard me put my watch on. She said, "Did you just put your watch on?" I said, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I wear it every day, five a.m. or not, it gets put on." So. Uh, Formula One, we're both yes. fans, and you're a fan. I am huge fan. Yeah, yeah. I've been to the Canadian Grand Prix a couple of times. Oh, so. have you? 
Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, might uh, might try to go back sooner than later. I don't know. I've kind of planted that seed about going this year, but I'm running out of time. So. Yeah, I was. Um, we just went to to uh, Dubai, and I just missed the Bahrain oh. F1 again. We could have actually been. I was there like two days later after it ended. So. <laughs> I always oh, keep wow. missing it. When, <laughs> when we were living, and I was living in Bahrain for a while, I don't know if you know, but we were living in Bahrain and uh, and it was COVID, so they cancelled it. So I missed oh, it then as right. well. So it's yeah. like, just unlucky. <clears throat> one yeah. time, I'll, I'll, Canadian... go to spa. I'll, I'll go to spa one day though. I want to go to spa. That'd be a good one. I'd like to go to that one too. I hear it's hard to get hotels and stuff. It's it's hard to, um, spa's a tricky one because you're actually quite a long ways away from any other towns and stuff like that apparently. So it's uh, all the local hotels get eaten up by teens and it's yeah, a little tricky yeah. to stay at. So my brother's done Monaco. He said that was just unbelievable. He uh, was in France for business and uh, made the trip down. I said it was unreal, but uh, I always worry about Monaco that you don't not going to see enough. But I guess you yeah, this, yeah, that's what I was. He sat about. by the swimming pool uh, area, the chicane there, oh, and, really? uh, but it was something unbelievable. Like uh, I think he only went on the Sunday. His wife said it's so expensive; you go alone. And I think his one day race seat was nine hundred euros or something like that wow. for the one day. Yeah, that's a lot. Unreal. So, Tom, thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. It was uh, a great chat. Yeah. I was excited to do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, can I share, you want me to share your Instagram to the listeners or is that a private Instagram? I can't remember. No, you can share it if you want. Yeah. Not a problem. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to go and uh, Tom's got a couple of images of his car on his Instagram, his Instagram is at Tom underscore Obear, O-B-E-A-R. So Tom underscore O-B-E-A-R. O-B-E-A-R. I'll put it in the description of the podcast. Make sure you go over there. Tell Tom you heard his story on Owner's Stories on Porsche Cooled and give him a follow. Um, fantastic. Thank you so much, Tom. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. That's Tom coming in from uh, Vancouver in Canada with his 996 Carrera 4S Arctic Silver. Uh, beautiful car. Uh, we all like the Carrera 4S, that's for sure. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the Porsche Cooled podcast. Bye for now.